we're starting a conversation, it's going to lead us through uh, the summer. So we're looking at six, seven, eight, I don't know, maybe we'll stay here all year. But uh, we're going to stay in James, the book of James. And we're going to walk through uh, the book of James. It's a rich book of the Bible. It's full of uh, lots and lots of wisdom. Uh, does anybody know the author of the book of James? Yep, you should know that. It's James. It's James. James authored uh, the book. And uh, the interesting thing about James is he's actually Jesus' half-brother. And it's fascinating when you look at the life of James while Jesus was doing ministry on earth. Uh, James didn't believe that he was actually the son of God. And so at one point he tried to have him committed uh, because that's what you do when your half-brother says that they're a deity. And, and later on uh, James fesses up and he says, you're right, like you are the son of God. And he, he goes all in on the reality. Uh, and, and instead of having him committed, he buys in. He writes this book and, and it's rich and about the time of Christ's death, James just says, I've got to pin these things. I've got to pin my experience. And, 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 and I've got to uh, make sure that future generations know and understand what I've been learning over my time here on earth. And so uh, the guy who wrote James, uh, Jesus' half-brother, not long after the book was written, uh, was martyred by a mob. And so we have this really beautiful, rich, detailed book of the Bible that is uh, maybe somewhat easy to miss or dismiss and yet James was writing to encourage Christians in an increasingly hostile world to stay the course, to live their lives dependent upon God and not to give themselves over to uh, the enticing things of this world but to remain true to God. And so I don't know what you know about the world around us, but it's increasingly hostile. I, I don't know what you know about culture and, and things that are transpiring both in our city and beyond, but it is getting dramatically worse, and so I can't imagine a better time for us to lean into the book of James than right now, where James is saying, don't give up. Don't give up the faith. And so James chapter 1 verse 2 uh, begins this way. It says, consider it a great joy, my brothers, whenever you experience various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces what? Endurance. But endurance must do its complete work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Mature, complete, lacking nothing. If we were to take a poll across the room, and we won't, I would ask how many of us think we are mature and we are complete and we lack nothing. A lot of us would go, I'm mature. Many of us would go, I'm mature and I am complete. But I bet we'd all agree that we lack something. If you work, if you have family, if you have kids, if you have uh, a life, you realize that we're lacking things. Things are happening in our lives, and, and we're lacking them. And, and sometimes we lean into the lack of those things without recognizing that, A, a lot of us are less mature than we would imagine, and uh, two, or B, uh, a lot of us are not as complete as we would hope we would be. And so really quickly you recognize that James is talking to us, and he's telling us that we're going to experience trials but can we come to a place where we have joy in the midst of those? That if I take those verses and I condense them down to a single sentence, it would say this, trials will come, count them all as joy, because God is good. So if you check out from here forward, take a nap, whatever, if you're at peace, you're at rest, take a nap, get on your phone, whatever you need to do, make lunch plans, whatever you need to do, I need you to make sure that you hear this before you miss everything else. Trials will come. There's no question mark. That's a period, that's a, uh, an exclamation mark. Trials will come. Count them as joy because God is good. 
that we often imagine a life with God to be free from trials, and yet what James is saying is trials will come. And a lot of us are going, yeah, we've had them. You can go back and look, and you're like, yeah, I've had trials, I've had trials, I've had trials. Maybe you're in the middle of one, and you're going, yeah, I've got one now. But there's something funny about our lives where when we don't immediately immerse ourselves or feel like we're in a trial where we go, I'm probably not going to experience a trial again. Like we always imagine the last bad thing to happen in our life to be the last bad thing that's going to happen in our life. And then something happens and we're like, oh no, what am I going to do? And it throws us into a tailspin. And James says trials will come. This is not debatable. This is not up for discussion. And what I know about trials is they most often come when you and I least expect them. When we've just passed a trial long enough to where we go, oh, everything's good again. Everything's going to be great. And the weather's good, and there's money in your bank, and your marriage feels nice, and everything's great. And all of a sudden, everything just falls apart. And you go, oh, no, what are we going to do? And James is saying, it's coming. If you're not experiencing it now, it's coming. This passage says, when you face trials of various kinds, meaning whatever you go through. James did not have enough patience or energy handwriting his book to list all the trials that we would experience. He didn't have the ability to write down marriage and finances and kids and uh, health and culture and, and keeping up with yard work and on and on and on, the hot water tank that goes out and the leaky pipe and the car problems. He didn't have enough ability to write all of the various types, so he says various trials will come. And you and I look at our lives and go, yeah, yeah, all those things. I've experienced them all. If there's one or two or three you haven't experienced, guess what? It's coming. It's coming. It's all encompassing everything. And if I'm being honest, you don't just get one or two trials. How cool would it be for you and I to experience a trial like mid-30s, maybe 40s, when you're kind of prepared, financially a little more stable, and you get that trial, and it's bad, but you get through it, and you go, that's it for my life. Like I'm coasting the remainder Nothing else bad can transpire after this because I've had my one trial. See, the problem is you and I, we get 15. We get 20, sometimes in a day. We get thousands upon thousands, millions in our lifetime where things happen and things happen and things happen. And sometimes they stack up and they feel overwhelming and and we get immersed in them and we go, how can I survive it? And James is saying, not only do you get to survive it, but I want you to consider it joy. And I go, no. No. No, I'm not going to consider it joy to go through problems. I'll deal with it. I'll manage it. I'll suffer through it. I'll white-knuckle my way through whatever comes, but I'm not going to be happy about it. I'm going to gripe, and I'm going to complain. And James is saying when we live this way, we actually miss out on the fullness and the richness of what God wants us to experience in this human existence. He says if you want to be mature, and we all think we are, but we're not. And if you want to be complete, and we all think we're complete, but we're not. And we all want to lack nothing, then we have to actually endure trials with joy. And what we see is that our world is messy and people get sick and we lose our jobs and people pass away and life is hard and it goes from hard to harder sometimes and sometimes it goes from harder to harder to hardest and and we go, I don't know how it can get harder and then somehow it manages to get a little more difficult. And it's full of trials of various kinds. And not only am I going to endure the trials, but the command is that we have joy in them because we are to consider those a trial as a blessing from God because of what God is doing in our life in the midst of those trials. I think that's the problem with so many of us, myself included, is that we get into a trial 
and we think that it's just suffering or pain or hard life and, and it's just hard for us and it's suffering and we've got to get through it. And we don't understand that God uses the things of the world to help shape us and carve us and create in us something that could not exist apart from whatever we're going through. That we're going to face trials regardless. So it doesn't matter if you walk out of this room and you say, I'm never coming back to church. If you walk out of this room and say, I'm never going to align my life with Christ because uh, it looks like that's going to be demanding and that's going to involve trials and I don't want that. So I'm going to leave the church, I'm going to leave the faith, and I'm going to walk on my own. You're still going to have trials. You're still going to get the speeding ticket and your car's still going to have a flat tire and your washer's going to go out and it's going to all happen in the same day. And you're still going to get sick and you're going to go, what's happening? Scripture says it rains on the just and the unjust alike. Just because you're here in this room on a holiday doesn't mean that you and I are immune. Wouldn't that be great, though? Like I sacrificed them here on Memorial Day holiday. I shouldn't have any more trials. And God says, no, it rains on the just and it rains on the unjust. But what's beautiful about you and I is that if we'll align our lives with Christ, we can actually learn and grow in our faith in the midst of the things that are going to happen anyway. It's like this is going to take place anyway, so why not get the most out of it? If you've got to go through it regardless, why not go through it and be better on the other side? Because that's all life is, is you and I trying to be better versions of ourselves. And we want to try to do that through knowledge, and we want to try to do that through reading, and, uh, you know, through meditation, or whatever. We try to get better, and God says, I'm actually going to take you through some really hard things. And that's what's going to make you stronger. That's going to make you wiser. See, there are two ways that we need to view trials. So the next time you face a trial, if you're in the middle of one right now, there are two ways ways that I want you to view trials. One is that trials are a pathway to maturity. Trials are a pathway to maturity. So if you're in this space and you say, I'm already mature, the person next to you is going to elbow you and say, that's you. Uh, You need to be more mature. And we're all obviously looking at Wally. You need to grow up, be more mature. And, and, And the pathway towards that is trials. James says, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, but endurance must do its complete work. It must do its complete work, not partial work. God doesn't do anything halfway. It must do its complete work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. See, if we take this conversation out of the spiritual world and we just set it into your life experience, how have you matured in the last six months? How have you matured apart from trials in the last year? When you're an infant, the way that we learn to walk is by falling down a lot. And until the digital age, nobody had proof that you did that, right? Now it's just everywhere. We have proof that you fell a lot and you made a lot of mistakes. Now you start a new job. The way that you get better at that job is by failing. It's by making mistakes. You get married, the way your marriage gets stronger is... You make mistakes. You say things you shouldn't have, and you learn how to work it out. In your finances, you learn how to be stronger in your finances when you spend too much, and you don't have money, and you go, okay, i got to be better. We learn through failure. We mature by falling and failing and, and stumbling, and when we're at our best, we are learning from those mistakes. See, what happens for so many is that they don't learn from mistakes, and so they're doomed to repeat it. And so we keep going through the same things. You learn by thinking you were right, only to realize you were wrong, and then re Correcting your thinking. I thought it was this way, it's actually this way. Now I'm going to reprogram my brain. That's how we mature. That's how we grow and we learn from one another. We learn from people who are older, who have made more mistakes than we have, who have made different mistakes than we have. We learn from other people. But by and large, you and I as human beings make mistakes and we get up and we learn and we try better. So why would we imagine 
Sorry, my throat's going to go out. Why would we imagine that learning spiritually would be any different? Why would we think if in real life we have to fall a lot to learn to walk, all of a sudden we have to be more mature and not make mistakes in the process? Don't waste energy trying to cover up your failures. Let's learn from them together. Let's get stronger together. Errors become mistakes when we perceive them and we respond the same way and we keep making those errors. What James is saying is we're going to learn but it's going to come through mistakes. See, trials are a pathway to maturity. Second thing is trials remind us that we need God. I know in this room some of us are going, yeah, I need God. But what happens a lot of times is that the further we get from a trial, the less we think we need God. The further we get from a relationship with God and, 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 and problems and pain, the more we begin to think that we have a handle on life. We start thinking, I've got this. I've got everything taken care of. I've got everything prepared. I'm okay. And all of a sudden, something comes our way. It knocks our feet out from under us, and we go, God, where are you? I need you, God. And that's okay. But what if we were to walk every day going, I need you? Because I may not be in a trial now, but I know one's coming. That everyone's fighting a battle. Everyone's preparing for a battle, or everyone's recovering from a battle. And that's from a different message at a different time, but I think it's applicable here, is that you may be facing a trial, if you're not facing a trial, then you're either recovering from one, so recover well, or prepare because one's coming next. And if we're all in this perpetual state of either preparing, fighting, or recovering, then we're mindful that we need God at every stage, that believers in Christ, we're enduring a trial. We're going, okay, I don't quite fully understand it, but I know in the midst of it, God is doing something. He's doing something in me. He's chiseling me. He's shaping me. He's forming me. And more and more, I'm becoming uh, formed in the image of God. And it's taking place through the context of things that we think are happening to us. We think life is happening to us. We go, woe is me. We go, oh, I can't believe this is happening. Why to me? I mean, those people deserve it, but I don't. Why, why is this happening to me? God's saying, I'm actually doing something beautiful in your life. I'm allowing life's circumstances to shape and to change you. And in verse 5, it says, now, if anyone lacks wisdom... Obviously, none of us in this room, but those that are missing today are lacking wisdom. We'll let them know when they get back. It says, he should ask God, who gives to all generously and without criticizing, and it will be given to him. James is speaking about wisdom. See, here's what I wish he had said. I wish he had said, now, if any of you lack knowledge, he should ask. See, because I lack knowledge. I lack the idea or the information about why things are happening. Are you bringing me water? Oh my gosh, thank you. Did you get a hand clap? I don't know what you're supposed to do to this. This is half, sorry. I'm going to take a sip. I'll just, I'll just hold on to it. I might need it. I think he should have said knowledge. Thank you, by the way. I think he should have said knowledge because here's what I need in the midst of a trial. I need the information about why it's happening. No, no. I just need to know when it's going to end. That's all I need to know. I'll go through anything. Just tell me when it's going to end. Because there's strength in knowing there's an end to it. There's strength in understanding that it's only going to last for a little while. And it could be six months, but I go, at least it's going to end. And I think what James should have said, and maybe he meant to in a perfect world, is that if any of you lack the understanding of why God's doing what he's doing and taking you through what he's taking you through, then just ask and he'll tell you. But that's not what he said, and that's not indicative of what God does in our life. It says, if any of you lack wisdom, wisdom, wisdom is the ability to make wise decisions in different circumstances about practical discernment. Wisdom says, okay, 
I'm going through this. Now I need to make wise choices. What's a wise choice? A wise choice is, do I cry about it or do I have joy in it? Wisdom is, do I keep making bad choices and lean into what's happening to me? Or do I uh, trust God is good and he's doing something unique? Wisdom says, okay, am I going to uh, see myself as a victim? Or am I going to see myself as a child of God who's creating something beautiful in me, who's strengthening my soul? Wisdom gives us the ability to see what's happening to us the way that God wants us to see it. Then when Christians need wisdom, the first place that we turn to is God through prayer. We go, God, I'm going to you. We're going to talk about it. We're going to pray about it. And God is willing to give us wisdom, but he uh, will be unable to receive it. We won't be able to receive it if our goal is self-serving. Uh, if our goal is to uh, please self. If we just want to end suffering. Because that's so many of my prayers. Is that your prayer? God, make this go away. God, make this easier. God, I don't want to deal with this anymore. Although wisdom originates with God, it comes to us in many forms as a gift from God. And God says, I'm not going to take this affliction away from you, but I'm going to do something beautiful in you. However, we need to know that if we are going to ask God for wisdom, his method in which he chooses to give us wisdom is not downloading it into our brain. It's not programming us or reprogramming us as we sleep. More often than not, we gain wisdom through what? What? More trials, through mistakes, through pain, through problems. And God's saying, you're asking for wisdom, but are you really wanting it? Do you really want to do the work to get the thing that you're asking for? See, I'd much prefer God to just give it to me. All of us would. None of us want to go through stuff. We just want God to make life easier. It's so interesting how our modern Christianity, the, the, our modern faith, is all centered around an easy life, a better life, a more fulfilling life. And everything throughout scripture is all about problems and pain and suffering. And we look and we read scriptures and we go, maybe it's different now. <laughs> maybe God wants us to be happier now. Or maybe God just doesn't want to do that now. And James is saying that's not the case. And in verse 6 it says, but let him ask in faith without doubting. So if you need wisdom, you ask for it. But you ask for it in faith without doubting. For the doubter is like the surging sea driven and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. An indecisive man is unstable in all his ways. There's so much to unpack there. We're not even going to begin to do that, but there's so much richness there. But there are two prayers in this text. One is, grant me wisdom. So if you're in this space and you need wisdom, ask God, grant me wisdom. The other is, increase my faith, slash, kill my doubt. Grant me wisdom, increase my faith. God, I need wisdom, but increase my faith. And James doesn't necessarily encourage believers to cry out for God's help or ask for strength, which I think is interesting. He's not saying, ask God to give you strength. Because God is our strength. And if we'll lean into God, we don't need more strength. We need more God. You're already strong enough through Christ. He's already there. He is our strength. And what's interesting is we often think that we have to be weak in order for God to be strong. And God's strength is present in our weakness but his presence is also present in our strength. So we don't have to be weak in order for God to be strong, even though when we are at our weakest, God is at strength. So we come to God and we go, okay, help me. I need wisdom. Squash my doubt. And God doesn't just give us strength. He becomes our strength. And all of a sudden, that thing that we didn't think we could overcome, all of a sudden, those trials that we thought were going to crush us or kill us, all of a sudden, our soul gets a little stronger. 
We want God's strength so that we don't have to go through the trial, but God wants to be our strength in the midst of our trial. God's saying, you're still going to have to go through it. I'm not going to remove you for it, from it, but I'll be your strength in the midst. James also doesn't advise us to request an escape. He's saying, trust God that he's doing something in the midst of it. See, I think the most dangerous thought that you can have during a trial is that this should be easier. Have you ever gone through something in the middle of it? You go, this should be easier. This shouldn't be this hard. I don't deserve this. The reason this is such a dangerous thought is we're not giving power to God. We're saying this shouldn't happen to me. I'm a victim. I shouldn't have to go through this. Instead, we should go, God, whatever I'm going through, you're greater than that. Allow my soul to increase. Allow me to mature. Allow me to become more complete. Allow me to lack nothing. That whatever I'm going through, it's not surprising you. And so allow me to rise to the occasion through you. May I become stronger. But when we go through trials, it's important that we don't compare. That a lot of us, the minute we go through something, as we go, well, that person didn't have to go through that. They're a much more sinful person than I am. And they didn't have to go through, like, why me? I love, that's why my favorite phrase to God is, why me? I didn't deserve, I was a good kid. I grew up as a good adult. I'm a fairly good moral person trying their best. Like, why would I go through that? And then I look at someone else's life, and they're like on the beach somewhere in Cozumel, and they're Instagramming it, and I'm going, where's their trial? Why aren't they going through something? And God's saying, don't compare. And James, in verse 9, he says, the brother of humble circumstances should boast in his exhilaration. But the one who is rich should boast in his humiliation because he will pass away like a flower of the field. For the sun rises and it scorches, it's scorching heat, it dries up the grass, its flowers fall off, and its beautiful appearance is destroyed. In the same way, the rich man will wither away while pursuing his activities. James is saying, stop comparing. James is saying the poor person should take pride in his high position. The rich person should take pride in his low position, meaning the poor person should be glad that riches mean nothing to God. Otherwise, he'd be considered unworthy. Similarly, the rich person should be glad when he goes through circumstances because money is easily lost and it's not important to God. By taking pride, James says, we've got to understand that we have Christ At the end of the day, we have Christ. And comparison becomes a very evil game that nobody wins. It's easy to look at someone else's life. And we can look at someone at the end of their trial and go, well, why don't I have lives like that? And and we can look at someone who may not be experiencing one because they're in between. And we go, why isn't that me? And, And very rarely do we get an accurate picture of other people's lives in real time when they're going through moments. So we can't compare. We're all at different stages of trials in our lives. And we can't compare the beginning of our trial to the end of someone else's. That God is working in all of us in various ways. And some of us, he's having to work a little harder because we're a little harder headed. And, and some of us, he's, he's, uh, he's working in different ways. And, and everyone endures trials and everyone struggles. And we'll all have seasons where the sky is blue and we'll all have clouds. And, and God's saying, through it all, I am good. And you're going to have mountains and you're going to have valleys. And through all of it, I'm teaching and I'm, I'm growing and I'm stretching you. And the end goal is that you are stronger and better. The end goal is that you're a, a, a more beautiful image of, your, of Christ than it was at the beginning. And in the middle of all of this, James is saying, all of this is happening. You're going to endure trials. You're going to have to go through all this stuff. And in the middle of it, he's saying, you're going to need some encouragement. And there's many moments in my life where I'm going, I'm immersed. I'm overwhelmed. I'm just covered up. 
I need a little encouragement. In verse 12, James says, a man who endures trials is blessed. I said that soft. A man who endures trials is blessed. He's blessed. Because when he passes the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. No one undergoing a trial should say, I am being tempted by God. For God is not tempted by evil, and he himself doesn't tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when he is drawn away and enticed by his own evil desires. Where does our temptation come from? Our own evil desires. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is fully grown, it gives birth to death. And we understand cognitively the cycle. We see sin. We think about sin. Oh, I can imagine my life like that. And then we, uh, we follow through with sin. And then it becomes overwhelming. And we can't get out of that. That pattern, that rut. We, we understand that. We've gone through that many times. But according to the dictionary, a trial is a test of faith, of patience, of stamina by suffering. A temptation is an enticement to do something wrong by promise of pleasure or gain. It's the act of tempting, especially the evil. Temptation comes from evil desires inside of us, not from God. It begins with an evil thought and it moves on and on. God's not doing that. God's allowing trials to take place, but he's not tempting us to sin. God doesn't tempt us. Temptation is a trick to lure you away from faith. Testing is a way to strengthen your faith. And God's saying, I'm strengthening you. I'm not testing you. And it's so encouraging to know that we're blessed when we go through those trials. I know you don't feel blessed to have gone through it, but I can look back at other people's trials it's harder to see it in yourself. But I can look at other people's trials. I can see Wally. I can see him stronger. He had some pretty major stuff going on. And he's stronger. I, I can look at Autumn and I can see, you're stronger. You've had a couple things, small things, go on in her life. And she's better for it. I, I pray she's stronger for it. Her faith is increasing. And I wish it wouldn't that way. And I wish it were different for her. I wish, certainly wish it was different for me. I wish we didn't have to do this. God's saying, we've got to do it. And I can see it in others. It's harder for me to see it myself, and you may be the same way, where you go, I can't see myself getting stronger. Isn't it interesting? You can't see yourself getting, I don't know the appropriate term, so I'll just say fatter, right? You can't see yourself in real time gaining weight. That's a better way to put it. And then all of a sudden you look and you go, whoa, where do these 20 pounds come from, right? Because when you look at yourself every day, it just looks like you. I'm not saying anyone's gaining weight. I want you to hear me there. Uh, we don't see ourselves growing taller. How's that? That's a better analogy. And, and all of a sudden, we're just here. See, I don't think we see our souls getting stronger sometimes until we get another trial and we go, I feel more prepared for this. That's, that's weird. I feel stronger. If I've been through this, I could certainly go through that. If I survive this, I could certainly survive that. If God was good then, he's going to be good now. And all of a sudden, we look back and we go, wait, is that maturity? Is that growth? Am I starting to grow up? And finally, James does what he must in this moment, uh, and he, he turns our eyes and our attention to the character and the nature of God. In verse 16, he says, don't be deceived, my dearly loved brothers. Every generous act and every perfect gift is from above. Don't be confused. Don't misunderstand God. Yeah, you're going to go through some stuff, and yeah, it's going to be hard, and yeah, you're going to want to quit, and yeah, you're going to think you're stuck, but remember, God's never stuck. And also remember, every good and perfect thing, every generous act is coming from God, who is the Father of lights, and with him there is no variation. There's no shadow cast by turning. By his own choice, he gave us a new birth by the message of truth so that we would be the first fruits of his creation. You're in the midst of a trial. Don't be deceived. Don't be fooled. 
Your flesh is going to tempt you. You're going to think that something's happening to you. You're a victim. You're going to want to believe that God isn't good. You're going to wrestle with comparison and doubt. Don't be deceived. Don't be tricked. Don't give up in doing good. And don't feel like you're stuck because God's never stuck. You may feel like you're out of options, but you serve a God who has endless abilities to meet the needs that we have. And then he moves on with this beautiful reminder that every good and perfect thing, what do you have good in your life? See, in the midst of trials, it's very hard to see what we do have. It's easy to see what we don't have. It's easy to see the suffering. It's easy to see the pain. It's easy to see the lack. It's very hard to see the good. And I get it. I've never sat in some of your seats, and I've never gone through some of the things you've gone through. So I understand it's very hard. What I'm about to say is very challenging in the middle of a trial. But we have to come to a place where we find something good. Maybe it's the weather. It's pretty nice today. Maybe it's that cup of coffee that was a little nicer. Whatever we can find, however small we have to look, we have to say, that is good, and that is from God. And God is caring for us, and he's, he's, he's showing us he loves us. And the greatest anchor of our soul during trials is knowing that the goodness of God still exists. God is still good, and the more grounded you are during a trial, the more likely you are to have joy in the midst of it. I don't mean like psychotic happiness, you know? Like there's a breaking point in the middle of a trial where you're just laughing and you sound psychotic. I don't mean that we have to be like that. We're like, ha this is fantastic. But we can have this inner joy that says, I'm not going to be shaken. I'm not going to be shaken. My, my life is not going to be thrown off because of something that's happening to me. I'm going to see that God is still good and he's working something out in me. And we determine to know that God is good. And when we have trials, they're there to help us mature. They're there to remind us that God cares. I know this is a weird statement, but would you want a God who left you alone, who didn't allow anything to happen in you and use the things that are happening anyway to benefit us? Like what kind of a God would allow us to all experience trials and not actually have purpose? See, I think we can have trials, or we can have trials with purpose. And the choice is ours, and that's through wisdom when we ask for God to to give us wisdom to see that our trials actually are for a purpose. And they're carving something out in us. The daily fight is to trust that God is good no matter our circumstances. To trust that God is good no matter what's happening. And we don't see the future, but we serve a God who does. And we can't go forward and come back in a time machine, but we have a God who's a God of the future. He's already preparing the way for us to get there. And the things that we're experiencing now are preparing us for what's ahead. If we'll allow him to do it. But a lot of us, we shut down. We close ourselves off. We get down we start to have a pity party and we bring the chips and the guac and we set up camp and we go I'm just going to suffer and this is awful and it's happening to me and I can't believe why and and I don't want to go through this and I've been there in many moments and I'll probably be there again so someone may have to preach this message to me one day but the idea is that if we do that we miss the opportunity that God wants to create something beautiful in us and I don't want us to miss the opportunity I don't want any of us to go through trials without purpose I don't want to go through trials without God carving and cultivating something beautiful in us because I want us to be stronger. I do. I think as a church for us to get stronger, we have to get stronger. And as we get stronger, we start to see that God continues to provide for us. He is good. So here's what I want us to do. I'm going to ask Taylor to come up and uh, we're going to transition for a moment. But here's what I want us to do. I want us to have some homework. It's just us in the room. It's holiday weekend. So uh, I feel like we can, we can have a task if you don't mind. You don't have to do it, but what I'd love for you to do, I'd rather you do it, is that I want us to write a prayer this morning. 
I want us to write a prayer, all of us to write a prayer. And so if you want to pull out your phone and, and the notes app, or if you want to get a piece of paper in the seat back in front of you, or grab an offering envelope, you don't have to put anything in it, just write on the back of it. Uh, I want us to write a prayer. If you're watching online, uh, as long as you're not driving, uh, stop and, 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 and I want us to do this exercise. I want us to write a prayer today to God. You don't have to share it with anyone. You don't have to, you know, nobody has to know what this is between you and it's between God, even though I'm going to encourage you to share it with someone at some point. But, uh, but I don't want us to write it with the mindset that this is something we have to share. But I want us to write a prayer today, all of us. It could be a short prayer. It could be a long prayer. I'm going to give you about a minute, minute and a half. But I want us to write a prayer. And I want it to start with God or Father or however you choose to address God in the beginning. And I want there to be a sentence or a statement or a, a sentiment that says, thank you for the trials. I want us to thank God for what we're going to experience or we are experiencing. And I want us to invite God to do what he needs to do so that we may be complete and mature and lacking nothing. And so whatever you're going through, I want this to be your personal prayer to God. You can ask for wisdom in the midst of it. You can ask for help. You can ask for strength of faith, whatever it is. But I want you to write this prayer to God. So I'm going to give you just a minute, and we'll come back up and, uh, and transition. give you about 15 more seconds. So you may want to finish later on. You may want to, maybe you're done. Um, anybody want to share their prayer? Pray their prayer audibly? No obligation. Just wonder if somebody would like to share. Come on up. I think it's interesting that what Pastor David said to us before he asked us to start writing is exactly what I had just written this first sentence dear jesus thank you for bringing trials into my life 
Help me to recognize those trials, and I ask that you accompany me through them. Anybody else want to share? I mean, I've got mine, but does anybody else want to share theirs before we transition? Lord, thank you for the trials. Thank you that there is joy available in the trials. Thank you that that is your way and your system and that your system is not broken and you're not glitching, but that you are actually working all things together for my good and your glory. Anybody else? Father, thank you for the trials, the ones I've endured and the one I am in and the ones to come. I selfishly would ask for strength to endure them, but I know through you I will. I need not strength in abundance, I need you in abundance. Some days I feel as though I will not surmount these trials, and then I am reminded of your love and your grace, and it is well with my soul. I know that these trials are to help me grow in your image but also in my faith with you. God, you've always been there, even when I've turned my back, and for that I thank you. I pray that you reach out to someone who may be struggling in life or in their faith. Give them an abundance of you. Help it be well with their soul. In your name I pray, amen. Amen, amen. Anybody else? I don't want somebody to be like, man, I really want to share. and Didn't get a chance to. Anybody else want to share theirs? and then uh, we're going to transition into the time of communion. Father in heaven, thank you for the trials. And thank you, Lord, for encouraging us through those trials, for meeting us in the midst of them. So I pray that you would strengthen the hearts of those struggling right now in this moment. Those that are suffering, those that are in need, those that are in want, those that are unsure of how long this is going to last, would you be their strength, strengthen their hearts. I don't know their trials, some of them may be physical, relational, financial. Some of them may even be eternal, emotional. And yet you meet us wherever we are, so give us wisdom, be our strength. And above all, Father, help us to learn in the midst of our experience. So, Father, we thank you that you are good. In Jesus' name, if you would, let's stand together.